As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. the nation's capital under siege. Security here at the United States Capitol has failed. This was a fraudulent election. Take that house! Take it now! Everybody stay down! Get down! At least one person has been shot and killed as protests turn violent on Capitol Hill. This is Banana Republic crap that we're watching happen right now. The United States Senate will not be intimidated. We can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. It's not protest. It's insurrection. What happened here today was an insurrection incited by the President of the United States. Today was a dark day in the history of the United States Capitol. Four people are dead and at least 14 police officers injured in a chaotic attack on the heart of democracy. The United States is reeling after angry mobs clad in Make America Great Again hats and carrying pro-Trump flags breached the U.S. Capitol building just as senators were meeting to certify the election of Joe Biden as president. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson here with my colleague, Amanda St. Hilaire. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Brian. We are recording this episode on Thursday, January 7th, 2021. And we are once again joined by Fox 6 political reporter Jason Calvi, who's fresh off of a long night of work. Hi, Jason. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. So, Jason, before we talk about the the chaos that we mentioned at the beginning of this episode at the U.S. Capitol building, we want to talk about what led up to that. So how exactly did we get here? So this is something that happens every four years. The Congress meets in a joint session to certify the Electoral College results. And it's normally a pretty quick, perfunctory meeting of, of both chambers of Congress and they certify, and, and then it leads to the inauguration a couple weeks later of, of the next president. This time around, there was a lot of debate around uh, challenging some of the Electoral College votes from a couple states, uh, starting off with Arizona. So uh, that was, you know, Arizona. There was going to be challenges of some of the other states as well. And uh, this comes out with, uh, you know, uh, an election unlike any we've ever seen in 2020, where after the election, the, you know, some of the Republicans, including the President Trump, had alleged voter fraud and had, had alleged that, uh, that this, he, he said even yesterday that this election was stolen from him. Yesterday morning, he, uh, he rallied right outside of the White House with, with I don't know how many, but many, many of his supporters. And you're the real people. You're the people that built this nation. You're not the people that tore down our nation. Now it is up to Congress to confront this egregious assault on our democracy. And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. 
We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down anyone you want, but I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. That was that was the morning. And then, of course, Congress was meeting to uh, to certify the election results. So when it came time for Arizona's electoral votes to be certified, there was an objection. You need one objection from a senator, one from a representative. And then that sparks uh, a, a debate. So both chambers then break out of that joint session, go into their go into their individual chambers and have a debate as well as a vote on the particular challenge to that state. But in the midst of them debating Arizona, the Arizona challenge, there was a lot of chaos happening outside of the Capitol, which we'll get into in just a second. But that's pretty much where we were right before all the chaos broke out. Well, you said at the beginning of that, uh, Jason, that this happens every four years. And obviously you were referring to the certification of the results by the U.S. Senate, the the Electoral College votes. Um, What doesn't happen every four years is masses of protesters gathered outside the U.S. Capitol while that debate is going on and while that certification process is happening. So while the debate was going on inside, outside, there were not just a small number of protesters. If you look at the videos, I mean, there were masses of people outside and and they weren't uh, necessarily, uh, uh, you know, calm masses. I mean, there was obviously an energy to that crowd, a lot of chanting and 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 it it seemed from what I when I've watched that throughout the the day and around that time that obviously that was ramping up and amping up and that is and then and then it all spilled over when you actually saw the first protesters uh, breach the Capitol and and uh, and get inside. So the the first instance that I knew something was was going wrong was I was getting messages from uh, one of the House staffers. And he was getting an emergency alert from from the Capitol Hill police that said uh, that people needed to avoid a particular house office building, that that building uh, was going to be on lockdown. And, uh, and so that was the first alert. But then moments later, there was a, an alert that that building was all cleared. Um, and then, but then it just then it just intensified. We were seeing video posted to Twitter of protesters outside of the Capitol uh, really storming, uh, first of all, fighting and, and, and clashing with the Capitol Hill police officers outside of the Capitol. And then we saw video of, of people you know, storming barricades and, and, and poli- police fences that were outside of the Capitol. And then, as I'm hearing from this House staffer, the next emergency alert was you know, to avoid that there was a, a security alert outside of the building so that people should not go outside if they if they're, have an exterior window, please avoid those exterior windows. There's an external outside security threat. So please, they were telling the staff to, and, and lawmakers to avoid any outside windows or doors. But uh, that was an outside threat. That was the first stage. And then the next step was when the emergency alert came in that they had, that the, that the threat was now inside of the building. At the same time that all of this is happening, you're inside of the Senate chamber. They are debating Arizona's electoral college votes. And you can see Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma is get about is, is getting into his speech, objecting to Arizona's electoral votes. And then you hear 
Charles Grassley, the Senate, uh, he's the, the most uh, senior Senate Republican, uh, Senate uh, President Pro Temp, and, and he actually gavels, gavels in, interrupts the senator, gavels in, and, and then says, we're going, to, we're going to recess. And then you hear an aide tell Senator Lankford that the protesters had gotten inside of the building. Now, just to put this all in perspective, the U.S. Capitol right now, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, is no longer open to the public. Normally, on a normal day, the Capitol is open. People can come in and, and visit with their lawmakers. They can go to the congressional offices. They can do their lobbying. Uh, this is what they call the people's house. So normally it's unlocked, but because of the pandemic, these doors are locked. It's, it's closed to the public right now. And so what happened was these protesters actually did breach the doors. These rioters, these, 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 uh, these people got into the Capitol and uh, that's when, you know, I was talking, we were, we were talking with some of the lawmakers yesterday. Senator Ron Johnson told Fox 6 that, uh, you know, he first first instance, he knew something was going wrong in, inside of the, the Senate chamber was when Secret Service whisked uh, Vice President Pence out of the chamber. And that's why Senator Chuck Grassley was the one who gaveled, gaveled the session out. Um, but all of this is happening inside of the Capitol. And then we saw video of the pro, the rioters streaming into Statuary Hall, which is where there are all these beautiful statues of uh, American uh, icons, um, and uh, it's right off of the House floor. So that's when we knew something really uh, had gotten out of control with with what what had happened. First of all, breaching the doors of the Capitol. There's so many questions here about what happened with security, how this was able to happen, and I'm sure this will be something that will be dissected for years to come. And I'm sure like was said on the Senate floor yesterday, this is another day of infamy for our country. Well, and what is striking about this is not just that the Capitol was breached. It's not just the violence. It's the purpose behind that, right? So we were already in an unusual spot. It's not often that you see United States lawmakers raising objections to the certification of votes, but it's also not often that you have a president who just before all this happened, when he gave his speech to his supporters, he said, we will not concede. And so right after that, you have supporters who then march over to the Capitol. They breach the Capitol. It's the idea of not just the actual incident of rioting, but the, the purpose of essentially disrupting democracy. Right. And that's that's one of the questions is what, what do you refer to? How do you refer to these people that were in the Capitol? You know, one of the words people were, were, were using is insurrection, uh, rioters, ter- some some use the word terrorists. Um, what, what happened yesterday? This was, as you as you said, this was the certification of the presidential election. This is this is much more than I, I had originally stopped myself. I, I used the word protest earlier, and then I, I changed it, and, you know, and said rioters, insurrectionists. What do you, what do we what do we call these people? Each of those has you know, there's legal definitions and things like that. But what we saw yesterday was unprecedented. I mean, looking at American history, the last time the Capitol was breached was what the War of eighteen twelve. I think the historian yep. said. British uh, I mean, invasion in 1814, the burning of Washington. I mean, that's remarkable. Yeah, that, that's not hyperbole. That's fact. And it's crazy to think that we're talking, you know, more than 200 years ago was the last time this occurred. 
uh, or, or not this, but the, the but a breach of the U.S. Capitol. And it's you're in another world when the leaders of Turkey are condemning the attack on U.S. democracy. You know, Jason, as you were talking about the words that we use and, and how how do we describe this, it, it's hard to it, it's hard in today's environment. You really have to guard against hyperbole. But this is a hard one to find a word that that comes off as too hyperbolic, because, as you said, this is the transfer of power. And really, one of the hallmarks of democracy is the peaceful transfer of power. And here was an attempt. I've, I've certainly heard the word, uh, you know, coup d'etat used, that this was an effort to stop that transfer of power by those who believe that uh, the election was stolen, that this was a fraudulent election. And, and Amanda, I think you were sort of leaning or leading toward this. But what's what takes this beyond just chaos at the Capitol? Uh, it, you know, we saw chaos at the Capitol here in, in Wisconsin years ago uh, after the Act 10 protests. And you might say, well, this is just a bigger version of that. But this is different because this was an attempt to stop the transfer of power. And and beyond that, it seems to have been there are certainly some who point to the president of the United States and say it was incited by the president. We have those who, you know, some, some uh, members of Congress and, in fact, a member of his own party, uh, Mitt Romney. Now we gather due to a selfish man's injured pride and the outrage of supporters who he has deliberately misinformed for the past two months and stirred to action this very morning. What happened here today was an insurrection incited by the President of the United States. Those who choose to continue to support his dangerous gambit by objecting to the results of a legitimate democratic election will forever be seen as being complicit in an unprecedented attack against our democracy. That seems to take this to a whole other level, that it was, in fact, the sitting president, uh, instead of engaging that peaceful transfer of power, uh, now being accused of having incited those who uh, who, who, who breached the Capitol and, and uh, led to all of this chaos. Well, and as of this morning, CBS is reporting that there are talks amongst the president's cabinet members about invoking the 25th Amendment to remove the president. And then there are also talks about widespread resignations. And it's directly related to this idea of the president inciting what we saw yesterday. And Jason, that has to be surreal for you to watch as someone who has a background of covering U.S. politics. Right. And actually, you know, I was just thinking about this yesterday. It was just incredibly difficult to to watch this place. I, I covered the Capitol for six years and for the last, I think, year and a half or two years, I actually had uh, my own desk above the Senate floor in, in this. It, it's almost like an attic, but it's a, a room uh, full of, of um, journalists and from various NPR and a lot of the broadcasting uh, uh, entities, uh, cable news as well as broadcast news um, have, have little desks up there. And I, and I was privileged to have... Uh, my own little booth there as well the last couple months and uh, this was right above the senate floor where all where all this was taking place and uh, it was just surreal to to watch those those um, capitol hill police being bombarded with with the uh, with the rioters uh, coming in and and these are people that you would see every single day these police officers you know you'd go through the security 
uh, checkpoint and, and you'd say hello to them and you got to you got to have maybe a better relationship with this officer or that officer and you, you'd see them every day and you know if I wore uh, the belt that I'm wearing right now the, this black belt uh, I knew that at one security checkpoint it was always going to set off that that metal that metal detector and I always have to take it off and so you, know, you just you got to know everybody and and and, and talk with them and and there was one uh, older police officer that was always at his at his posts uh, in in the in the in the basement, and I'd always say hi, say hi to him. And he was able to meet my children because I brought my children in for um, for take your child to work day. Uh, and and he would always ask every every time I'd see him after that, how's that kid doing? How's your son doing? And um, you know, these are people that are there every day protecting the lawmakers. And you normally don't you normally don't see them on on television, but we saw them yesterday. Uh, trying to to protect the the building, but of course they were overrun by by uh, whatever had happened. And, and again, like I said earlier, these are questions about security that are going to need to be asked for months to come because this this is this is the seat of government for the United States. It should be the safest place in America, right? I mean, this that's what's crazy about this is there were images of people, just protesters, sitting in Nancy Pelosi's office. And and she's not there, obviously. I mean, there there are people that they were they were in you know other uh, lawmakers' offices, leaving notes or carrying around podiums and just you know pieces of government equipment, just uh, you know seemingly uh, uh, without without any interference. Um, it was a remarkable image to see in what ought to be one of the most heavily protected places on earth. Especially given that we spend more than seven hundred billion a year on defense. So I, I want to talk about, you know, obviously what happened yesterday was chaotic, but the response to it, I think, is also something if you're looking for silver linings in any of this, we have obviously come through a period of time that's been, at least in our lifetimes, one of the most divisive um, in, in America. And there's been this ongoing concern about the, the role of social media and all of that. And are we forever divided beyond repair? Um, and yet. With what happened yesterday, it may be one of the first times we've seen a fairly unified response. Uh, I I read a lot of comments from people who are, uh, you know, staunch critics of people like Senator Mitch McConnell, who uh, said, wow, this is one of the few times I agree with him because there was uh, Senator McConnell on the floor rebuking the president of the United States fairly forcefully. We talked about Mitt Romney, though that's not a surprise at this point because he's been critical of the president. But we've seen a lot of people, some of the Wisconsin congressional delegation, Jason, um, some who might have uh, at other times throughout this process been supportive of the president or at least not openly critical, coming out with with critical comments and condemning what happened and and what the president did or didn't do about it. Um, what, What have you seen from Wisconsin's congressional delegation in terms of the response to this? First, you know, I think one of the things that we saw was Representative Gwen, Gwen Moore, Democrat from Milwaukee. Um, this she had very striking uh, words about what she thought needed to happen in regards to the violence and the destruction and the chaos at the Capitol. Uh, she said uh, she blamed President Trump for inciting this chaos. She said that the Twenty Fifth Amendment needed to be invoked, and Amanda had mentioned that uh, there was some reporting that some members potentially of the cabinet had been discussing the 25th amendment that would uh, involve the, the vice president and cabinet members um, being able to um, uh, remove the president from office. Gwen Moore went on and said, if that doesn't happen, if the 25th amendment amendment is not invoked, she said Congress needed to impeach and convict president Trump. 
Um, so there is a movement. We're also seeing that the uh, Democrats of the House Judiciary Committee as well had put out a letter to Vice President Pence urging him to do the same, to use the 25th Amendment to remove President Trump. Um, there are, what, 12 days left uh, in, in President Trump's term. We know his, his term will end. I mean, that is in the Constitution. His, his, his term will end. Um, but there is this move amongst some to remove him from office. If you remember from, uh, from when President Trump was impeached, this year, actually, or 2020, I should say, uh, there is when you do an impeachment, there are multiple things that can happen. And one of the things you could do in the impeachment is to say that that person can never hold public office again. So there, there is a move to potentially move forward with impeachment. But again, the clock is really ticking. You've got 12 days left. Is that really going to happen? I don't know. But as, as we've said, there has been some staff members of the White House who have been resigning because of the violence. That, that we're seeing because of the destruction at the Capitol. So that's Gwen Moore. You know, of course, you expect the Democrats to be critical uh, of, of the president as they have been for the four years of his term. Uh, but we're also seeing uh, Representative Mike Gallagher of Green Bay coming out and, and saying what he witnessed was an absolute banana republic. And the objectors over the last two days have told me there is no problem with just having a debate. We know we're not going to succeed, so we're just going to object. We're going to have a debate. We'll voice people's concerns, and then we won't actually overturn our entire system of representative government, so nothing bad will happen. There will be no cost to this effort. This is the cost of this effort. This is the cost of countenancing an effort by Congress to overturn the election and telling thousands of people that there is a legitimate shot of overturning the election today, even though you know that is not true. We also, Fox 6 interviewed Senator Ron Johnson yesterday after, after all of this violence. And remember, Senator Johnson had originally, well, originally back in December, he told me that it would have been futile to try to challenge the electoral results. And he, he wasn't going to do something that was futile. That was December, the middle of December, he told me that. Then recently he came out and said he was actually going to join the challenge of some of these states' electoral college votes. And so he did sign on yesterday to challenging Arizona's electoral college votes. But then after the chaos, we saw a change because when it came time to vote on the actual challenge of the electoral votes for Arizona, he did not, he, he voted against the challenge. So you can see some of the Republican senators who originally were supporting these challenges because of the chaos, said they could no longer do that. You saw Senator Kelly Loeffler of Georgia come out and actually speak on the House floor and say, or on the Senate floor and say she could not in good conscience move forward with the challenge because of what had happened in the Capitol that day. There was a movement to try to end these debates and to try to move things along quickly um, in light of everything that had happened at the Capitol that day to, to no longer, um, you know, delve into those issues. And that's kind of the ironic thing here uh, is that there could have been hours and hours. They were originally expecting that this was going to go late into Wednesday, if not into Thursday, all of the debate regarding um, challenges to the election votes. So the fact that the senators and House members would have had hours and hours to share their message with the American people about what they thought didn't happen properly with the elections uh, which again, the courts and, and others have dismissed, but
but this would have at least given those who are challenging various election results the chance to talk to the American people. But because of the destruction, because of the chaos, that debate really was shut off and the focus was on on what had happened, what had transpired, the tragedy, four lives lost, uh, dozens of people injured, the doors of the Capitol, the windows of the Capitol smashed, things, destruct, uh, destruction inside of the Capitol, and, and, and these people taking over and actually going into the chamber uh, of the United States Capitol. Jason, when someone votes to uh, object to the election results, what exactly are they voting for? Is that a vote to keep Donald Trump in for an, another term? What what ex, what exactly does that do? No, because because President Trump's term ends. I mean, his term ends on a certain time at a certain date. Uh, that is in there. His, his term does not extend out. It's it's not like you have an acting. He would not become the acting president if if there was an electoral college. Um, debate where it had to extend past uh, a past inauguration day. Uh, so his term would end at that point. Uh, but what they were doing was they were challenging, they were going to challenge a number of states, three states uh, in particular. And uh, what that would have done was they were challenging the electoral college votes. They were, what happens is each state, when they meet uh, on December 14th, they meet in their state capitals and the electors cast their cast their votes. So in Wisconsin, 10 Democrats met in December and they cast their votes for Joe Biden because Joe Biden was certified the winner of Wisconsin. And so state law dictates that whoever whoever's party uh, won, was certified the winner of that state, of our state of Wisconsin, uh, gets, those, gets those electors, those 10 electors for Wisconsin. So then they sign these documents and they sign a number of the copies of, of, of their votes. And then all of that material is sent to various entities, including, including Congress, including Vice President Pence, who is the president of, of the Senate and presides over this Electoral College uh, certification. So what they were doing when they were challenging was they were challenging that particular state's uh, electoral votes, that particular state's uh, certification um, and of course they weren't going to get the needed votes. They would have needed a simple majority and they really only had, uh, 12 senators, for example, uh, a dozen or so senators who had signed on to, to the various objections. So there was no way they were going to get to, to 50, you know, to the majority to, to, to actually, uh, not count those particular votes from Arizona or any of the other states that they were going to look at later in the night. Uh, Jason, I want to talk about uh, Vice President Pence for just a moment here, because in in all of President Trump's, uh, you know, last four years at various times, it's not surprising that he turns on people who are members of his own cabinet, members of his own staff. Uh, that's not a surprise. We've seen a lot of people come and go from the Trump administration. And when someone he feels has not been loyal, he turns on them. But his right hand man has been uh, Vice President Mike Pence. And and yesterday, he turned on the vice president as well uh, with a tweet that uh, directly condemned uh, uh, Vice President Pence. He, he essentially thought that that he should have acted as president of the Senate to to save his his election. Essentially, um, it, what did that say in terms of the significance of, of of the the collective turn on President Trump, even among many who have supported him along the way, or at least not been openly critical? 
when he turned on on the vice president and and we saw statements from uh, fr- from Vice President Pence yesterday calling this you know a very dark day in the Capitol and uh, seeming to uh, to sort of find his voice. Right. He the president even yesterday morning at that that rally. And we're going to have to fight much harder. And Mike Pence is going to have to come through for us. And if he doesn't, that will be a, a sad day for our country. Um, that was an hour before the Congress was gaveling in to count the electoral vote. So he was he was pushing Mike Pence to as the presiding officer to intervene unilaterally in the counting of the ballots. And right before Congress gaveled in, the vice president sent out a statement uh, and it was it was a it was a long statement where he explained his rationale for not intervening himself unilaterally in the election. And he, he said laid Mike it out. Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and constitution. He he, he challenged his courage. That's a, a pretty strong rebuke of your right hand man. It, no, exactly. I mean, this this was President Trump was putting pressure on Vice President Pence to 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 act. And and the vice president was unwilling to, to go along with what the president was 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 asking of him. When it comes to to Mike Pence and, and, and that that the turning on, you know, the president's turned on him. He, he's turned back. It's obviously sort of the ultimate breakup. But when we talk about extraordinary events and there were a lot of them yesterday, we haven't even talked about the fact that that the two Georgia senators, um, the Senate seats have gone to Democrats. And now that uh, Democrats control the U.S. Senate, the House, and and uh, will soon the White House. Um, that's a, a remarkable event that occurred yesterday in terms of American democracy and politics. But when we talk about modern extraordinary things, Twitter shut down the president's account for 12 hours because of uh, some of his tweets. And uh, they flagged them as false and said they were they were blocking them for 12 hours. That's pretty remarkable. And, and it certainly it does draw some calls from those who are as upset as they might be with the president, who are uncomfortable with the idea of a social media giant silencing the president of the United States and having that kind of power. It raises all sorts of other questions. That's an extraordinary thing that just occurred. No, extraordinary. I mean, you were talking about the leader of the free world, the leader of the most powerful country in the world. And and Twitter has suspended, you know, shut down his ability to to use that page for for these 12 hours. I mean, that is that is unprecedented and they you know they they they're saying that it was because of safety they're saying that uh, in light of what happened with, with at the capitol and and the violence and all of that that they were they were acting out of safety to 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 do that uh, the video that, that president trump had posted post uh post you know in post uh, the violence at the capitol uh you know he he did say this was a fraudulent election but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. So as as we are digesting all of what happened yesterday, the question now becomes sort of where does this go from here? And obviously, the inauguration is a couple of weeks away, um, but it leaves the question. I mean, I think this would have been a crazy thing to ask uh, at any time up until maybe yesterday. 
But it's realistic now, I think, to, to ask the question, will President Trump leave the White House voluntarily? Will he walk out on his own power? I mean, I don't that maybe that maybe that's it's that's still uh, not a uh, maybe that's still not a crazy thing to say. I, I don't know. That just seems like a crazy thought to have. But at this moment, is anything crazy? Well, and the White House did release a statement yesterday after all the craziness happened, saying there will be a peaceful transition of power. But we've we've seen statements change and take different forms from the president. But you're right. The fact that that even has to cross anyone's mind, I, I don't think that's a spot that even four years ago, a lot of people anticipated that we would be in. 2021 is uh, is is looking at 2020 and saying, yeah, we still had some more surprises. Yeah. 2020, hold my beer. Uh, Jason, any, any final thoughts, anything you'll be looking toward over the next few days as you follow this? I know there are still a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that it will be interesting in, in the coming days is, is all the security, right? Because we do have an inauguration coming up. Inaugurations are normally days of intense security at the Capitol. I, I was there in 2016. I mean, it is very intense. Roads are shut down. You've got, you've got Secret Service everywhere. You've got federal agents everywhere. You've got... Uh, You've got a, you've got helicopters overhead. I mean, it is a very uh, intense day uh, for the country and, and for security. So looking at how the breach of the Capitol took place, how they were able to storm the doors to lay siege of the American Capitol, all of those questions will need to be looked at to keep our lawmakers safe. I mean, again, this is the seat of American government. And if they can take that, uh, how, how can how can how can they how can we protect how can the country protect that core aspect of, of our of our republic, of our of our country, of our democracy? So that's one thing to look at in the next few days. The other will be uh, when President Trump takes back his when he's able to reuse his Twitter account. If he does start striking a tone of of, um, of peace and and I am you know the possibility of, of peacefully passing off. Uh, the baton to Joe Biden, how that's going to look. Uh, we're going to be looking at state capitals and and, and how, what they're doing to protect and, and keep their lawmakers safe here in Wisconsin and, and across the country. Uh, we're going to look at these people that did storm the Capitol. You know, we saw them leaving the Capitol. There were arrests. We know that people were arrested, but there were still people that got in that were able to leave without being arrested. So there's a lot of questions about who those people were and, and, and charges that are going to take place. There was the shooting. There was a woman who was shot by Capitol Police. What was the circumstances of that police shooting? You know, we've, we've a country right now that's been rocked by, by police shootings and investigations and protests after police shootings. So there's going to be a lot of questions about why police there did use deadly force in that instance at the Capitol yesterday when they were stormed, when, they, when, the, when, the, when the rioters came in and laid siege of the Capitol. Um, the other questions I'll be looking at is looking ahead to 2022, looking ahead to 2024. So with 2022, we have Senator Ron Johnson, who uh, is up for re-election in Wisconsin. He said to me in an interview, uh, he wasn't going, he hadn't yet made his decision whether he's going to run again. He, he's originally said he was only going to serve two years as a senator. 
Um, but then he said he was going to wait until after the election. So after the election, I asked him, well, okay, election's over. Are you going to run in 2022? And he said, well, the election's not over yet because there's these legal challenges. This was an interview we did after the election. Uh, now that the election is solidified, now that Joe Biden, President-elect Joe Biden, is certified the winner of the election by Congress, that means he will indeed be inaugurated president of the United States of America. So question is, what does Ron Johnson do? You've got a division in the Republican Party right now. You have a lot of members who, with the president, President Trump, think that this was an invalid election. He had been saying that for for weeks and weeks now. He said that he said that before the election. Right, right, exactly. Republicans are divided about how to handle this. Who amongst Republicans is going to be able to capture that part of the base plus the part of the base that doesn't think that 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 like Lindsey Graham said this was you know on the floor of the Senate yesterday the president Joe Biden won this election uh, so you've got division in the Republican Party you Senator Ron Johnson yesterday told Fox Six that he had no idea who these people were that entered the Capitol when they were when they weren't supposed to he. He says he does not. He, he doesn't uh, condone it. He condemns it. Um, so there's just a lot of questions about who's going to be able to be the leader of of the Republican Party moving forward. Who's going to be able to bring this division in the Republican Party um, to, to 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 heal the divisions in the Republican Party, but also then in, in the country because we are so divided right now. You can just look at the comments on social media to see how divided the country is right now. Um, and, and so that's all things that are, Congress, Joe Biden, our state leaders, they're going to have to be looking at and figuring out uh, how they're going to be moving forward as well in the midst of unprecedented uh, challenges with Oh, the and by the way, by the way, there's a pandemic. Oh, yeah, that. Jason, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, we know you'll be staying on top of those questions, and we appreciate all your hard work. Thank you for having me. And we are going to continue bringing you these twice-weekly episodes of Open Record as we cover what's going on at the Capitol right now, the inauguration, the COVID-19 pandemic, reckless driving, police community relations, and so much more. If there's a topic you want us to discuss, an issue you think we should investigate, please send us an email. You can send your emails to fox6investigators at fox.com. Again, that's fox, the number six, investigators at fox.com. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. And please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't done that already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson for Jason Calby and for Amanda St. Hilaire. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday. <laughs>